want you to be really honest, tell me if you've ever watched those comedy specials on TV or if you've been in the audience of stand-up and you've been wondering to yourself if you could get up there and give it a go. Um, it's not just the material, obviously. The delivery seems to me to be about 99% of it. And our next guest actually leads people through the process of going from the fear, if that's what it is, or the excitement, into getting their material together and their entire act together and uh, delivering that into a performance at the end. His name's Robert Grayson. He's both comedian and comedy teacher. Lovely to be talking to you, Robert. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. When did you first start thinking about doing stand-up? Oh, um, well, I kind of grew up with comedy in my in my household. Uh, we had Lenny Bruce records. My father was the son of a vaudevillian, so comedy was always in my mind. And then uh used to do it in the musical combos that I played in. And then uh, somewhere along the line, I took a course in New York. And, and uh, you know, that's when I, I guess it was about 18 or 19 years ago. Do you remember your very first stand-up comedy gig? I, I I do uh, very vividly because I uh, I tell my students that my reality my kind of vision was just maybe three inches in front of my face. <laughs> people in, people in the front row could have been knifing each other or having a picnic, and I wouldn't have known. <laughs> or they could have been laughing, and you still wouldn't have known. What, um, what what was the feeling like before you went on? Uh, it's a, a very uh, high energy, uh, exhilarated but nervous feeling. And um, then it's pretty transformed when you do get laughs and you come off. It's it's quite a uh, exuberant feeling. And you obviously did, or I can't imagine that you would have gone back. I think if you, uh, they call it either killing or dying. Yes. I think I think if you die too many times as a ratio, you probably don't don't go back on a regular basis. <laughs> um, so when you start with people, um, is it the fear factor that you deal with first? It absolutely is. In fact, you know, the course is a, a personal uh, development piece. It's not, I, I get very few people that actually want to do stand-up. But uh, the, the thing that uh, keeps people away from the course in that regard, I think, is the fear of uh, basically being rejected by a group of people. Yeah. So it's, uh, the first thing I deal with is um, getting people to realize that if they just talk about themselves and they're just very straightforward and honest, that they're actually going to get more of a positive reaction than if they put on a front or if they try to glaze over the obvious realities of their foibles. So it's a bit like writing, you know, start with what you know, one of those old truisms. Sure, and, and uh, you want to have a congruency and talk about what people kind of feel energetically and have that you know, have that be a match. Just to, and by way of example, I don't know if there's material that you've got from a, a recent show or one that you can remember. It'd be interesting to know where you started with the concept and, and, and how you kind of, um, you know, and where you ended up. Uh, can, you, can you say that a different way? I'm trying to uh, understand what your question Okay. So in encouraging people to, to, to begin with the first step and to, ve- to ve- develop their material, um, can you think of an example from your own sort of stand-up where you've started with the germ of an idea, something that might have been quite personal, and and made it funny, basically. Uh, certainly, my the first bit of material that I do is about my family, which is, uh, you know, very real, and my family was very volatile and uh, a dangerous place. <laughs> and, and and my first bit of material is people often wonder what I'm doing out here. 
uh, a guy from New York and Australia. Simple answer is uh, I'm out here for family reasons because I have family living in New York. <laughs> Good point. Okay, so that that's based on something that's very true for me, but I'm at least able to pull back enough to um, to kind of play with it, even though at one time that would be fairly confronting for me. And and it's a good recognition factor, I imagine, amongst the audience because you can count on the fact that no matter the kind of combination, everybody has some sort of family. Sure, absolutely. And, and re- relatability is, is kind of a little bit misleading. You can be in a very particular job that no one could no one could relate to because of its particulars, but they can relate to not getting along with your boss. They can relate to uh, you know, being overwhelmed, they can relate to having expectations, too much expectations on you. So there's a way of getting things uh, that, that are, could be quite personal to be relatable as well. So is that part of the, the whole thing of making an instant connection with your audience? Because I imagine that, that those first, the first minute, the first two minutes are kind of absolutely crucial in a comedy act as to whether or not it's going to survive. I think it comes down to being genuine. Um, and to be uh, kind of self-accepting and just as you are. You know, as you were talking, an example did come to mind. Recently, I I worked with a a man who was a a lawyer and someone who'd been in theater a lot. He'd done a lot of musical theater. And and in both regards, he had to kind of put on an act, right? Mm -hmm. And, And when I tried to get him to just be himself, he said, look, you know, I've... I, I, I don't know how to do that because, right. um, you know, it's not safe to just be yourself as a lawyer and it's not safe and that's not what he's called to do in the theater. Mm. So when he, he was able to and kind of he was getting kind of blank stares from the class as he did his work because it was he was kind of putting on a performance and he was trying quite hard. Then when I got him just to talk about his, his life at home, his child, everything like that, he actually started surprisingly, he started to connect more rather than less. His, his his instincts were that he had to kind of pump it up and put on a show, but when he actually just t- told how it was, he got a surprising reaction. And it was a, it was this is a very common um, that's a very common journey for most people that they're surprised that when they kind of I call it dropping um, that they get this amazing connection. It's twenty three minutes after one on afternoons with Robert Grayson, who is talking to us about um, stand up comedy and um, how you begin and, and how you keep going. At this stage, and we're talking about that sort of initial um, part of the the comedy where you, you're making the connection and so on. Managing your your fear and your stage fright must be paramount. It's not only before you get up there, but I imagine you know if you're trying to kind of drop, as you say, and be yourself, but your legs are jelly. That's a that's pretty difficult. How do you help people through that? Well, the the workshop environment is a great place to do that because you have other people going through the same experience, and you're able to uh, kind of in bit by bit desensitize that fear. That natural fear is that if I showed my real self, if I talked about how things are, I'm going to be rejected. And then all of a sudden, you find out, and and your muscle, your kind of instinctual muscles are there to kind of put on what I call resume face, that everything's good, mm. right? But when you try that and then you actually have the gut experience that, no, I'm actually getting more connection by actually telling these things. I, I, I like to say that Steady Eddie comes out and he starts talking about being a spastic, right? 
Now that connects us all because we're all spastics on mm. a certain level. Mm. And you he also uses politically incorrect language that we're not meant to use. So it's sort of breaking a taboo in a way too, isn't it? Yes, but everyone everyone has their own inner voice that that kind of yells from the back in, inappropriate things at different times. Yeah. And it's actually, it's actually uh, freeing um, parts of ourselves. So, so he's kind of doing us a, a social service, or a great comedian does this, a social service by saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I don't always think the right things. I don't always say the right things. But you know what? I'm okay. And so I imagine the collective shoulders go down and there's kind of a level of relaxation in the room. A huge amount of energy is, is let go and can be you know, expressed in laughter. It, your instincts are very, very good that first you need to connect with the audience before you even worry about getting laughter, which is why a lot of communicators come to the workshop. Um, and, and second of all, there's this, uh, this uh, cachet of energy that's locked up into people holding on to that, like, mm. I don't want anyone to know, I don't want anyone to know. And then when he comes out and goes, hey, I love being a spastic, everyone goes, oh, thank God. Yep. Uh, so there's a huge relaxation, there's a burst of laughter, and there's a, a, a huge healing force that happens because everyone just, ha- you know, relaxes. Um, you've got, in, in terms of the, the points you make on your um, flyer about this course, you've got understanding what makes people laugh. That's kind of tricky, isn't it? Because I imagine that, well, I might be wrong, but it, it would vary hugely. It, it, it does vary hugely, but um, on, on certain levels it varies hugely, and I like to make a joke that what's funny is whatever they laughed at. Right. Whatever happened just before the audience laughed is, by definition, funny. But um, also, it's, it's kind of a global truism that they laugh at painful experiences that they are now able to integrate or step back from and laugh. And as a way of kind of integrating them and dealing with them uh, and discussing them and open the discussion that we're, again, there's so much energy locked into not discussing we're able, the comedian's able to table uh, relationship woes, dealing with children, mixed, ex- mixed emotions about dealing with children, sexuality, you know. Um, po- it, it's politics. that thing about comedy is tragedy equals tragedy plus time. And I know on Good Newsweek, sometimes when the audience winces, they go, ooh, not enough time, not enough time. <laughs> right. That, that's exactly it. Um, but still, it's, uh, it, it is that formula like... Um, when, when are we ready to let it go? What do you see, what sort of changes do you see in people at the end of this when they do their performance, you know, and they've gone through this process right from the, you know, classic stage fright right through to having the guts to stand there? I, I actually see physiological changes. I see a, a huge boost in confidence because they do, it's not a theoretical thing that I'm telling you or your listeners it's actually an experience that, you know what, I'm okay the way I am, and we're, I'm surprised we're actually all in the same boat. They actually experience by uh, dealing with seeing the people in the class discuss their, uh, you know, their life issues uh, and their challenges in a, in a good-humored, open way. They, uh, in, in having that kind of uh, owned and experienced self-acceptance, they actually are just much more free and open. 
Robert, it's a three-day workshop. If people want to get hold of you to find out more about it, um, where do they contact you? They could uh, email me at robert at youstandup, Y-O-U-S-T-A-N-D-U-P, or visit the website, which is www.youstandup.com, or they could give me a call on my info line, 401 834361. Okay, that's 0401 834361 or robert at com. All the best with it. Um, it sounds like it's lots of fun. Thank you so much.